this morning, Exodus chapter 2, and today's sermon is simply faithful mothers. Faithful mothers. Yes, faithful in what the way you would think being faithful means as far as always being there and being constant, but also maybe taking it a step further that mother's full of faith. Full of faith this morning. May I say, like my mother, I think of growing up in, in my house, having a mother full of faith, not perfect, none of your mothers are, but full of faith, faithful. I think of others who maybe grew up in homes that were a little bit different. I think of those who maybe are growing up and, and they are not with their mothers um, and didn't grow up with their biological mother. I think of all of those things. I'll be honest with you. It's a complex thing for me. Um, I, I think about and I praise the Lord for how good of a family that I had. In the same vein, I take a step back and I pray for those and I hurt for those who have less than fortunate situations. Does anybody else kind of feel live in that tension a little bit? Um, we're going to talk today about a mother. And full disclosure, I actually preached the majority of this sermon about a year and a half ago as a part of our a series in the life of Moses. But Exodus chapter 2, we're going to learn about a mother today uh, full of faith. Full of faith. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, And a man of the house of Levi, Levi, his name was Amram. We find that out later, but I put that there so we would know. He went and took as his wife a daughter of Levi. Levi. Her name was Jochebed. We find that out later as well. Verse 2, So the woman conceived... And bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done for him, or to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. I pray that we learn, but not that we just learn academically, that we learn spiritually, we learn in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament? And Joseph <clears throat> winds up being in favor with Pharaoh, second in command, he distributes the food. Remember that story of Joseph? Before that, he was thrown into the pit, he was thrown into prison, all those things. Um... So Joseph goes off the scene, but all the people had come 
to Egypt. They had come to Pharaoh. They had come to be under Pharaoh. And over time, the children of Israel had had more children and had more children and had more children and had more children. They were still under, under Pharaoh. And so we get to the chapter before here. And the new Pharaoh who doesn't remember Joseph, doesn't know Joseph, says, hey, we have a problem. The problem is the children of Israel are starting to gain so much traction. There's so many of them that, hey, we need to, we need to take some steps here or they're going to overtake us. They're going to basically come into our country and, and take over. And as diabolical as you could think of, he, his plan is that, hey, every boy that is born will be killed. Every boy. By the way, that's a quick way to stop a population in one generation, right? That's what he did. We will take, but never mind. No matter what current culture tells you, let me just throw that out there. If there are no boys, there's no next generation. All right, so anyway, just didn't want us to get confused here with our, with our sex and gender situations going on in our country. If there are no boys, there are no next generation. All right, it's just, there are no girls, there are no next generation. So I, it's crazy that we have to qualify that in 2021. But that's the decree. And so Amram and Jochebed find out they're going to be expecting. Can you imagine back in that day with no uh, doctor's appointments and no, uh, no ability to see in like 4D, like what your child is, you know? Some people now, like their kids are like flashing gang signs in the womb and stuff and like doing Fortnite dances and everything. And we're like, man, my kid likes Adidas. He's rocking Adidas. Like I, I could tell. Um, they didn't have any of that. You know, they didn't have that back in the day. And so can you imagine the stress and the anxiety of, okay, I believe it's time to deliver this baby. God, like, what are we going to do if it's a boy? God, we're going to be so happy if it's a girl because you'll spare the life of that child. But if it's a boy, God, what are we going to do? And imagine that. Imagine that anxiety. Imagine the anxiety. And so Amram and Jochebed, Jochebed sure enough has the child and it is a boy. This boy is named Moses. And from there we have the story unfold. She hides him as long as she can. And when she cannot hide him any longer, she says, listen, I, I can't hold on to him here because they're going to find him and they're going to kill him. And so she constructs a plan. She puts him in a little boat, an ark. When I think of an ark, I think of like the big ark. This is like a little miniature version, right? A small ark that would float. And she puts Moses in there and she covers it up and she pushes him out into the, to the water, into the river. Not knowing what was going to happen and she tells her, her daughter, which would have been Moses' older sister, hey, just kind of keep an eye out if you kind of stand back in the, in the woods and kind of watch what's going on and just kind of, kind of keep an eye out. And so as the providence of God would have it, it wasn't just any ladies that came down to bathe in the river. No, it was the daughter of Pharaoh. It was the daughter of the king who came down. And one of her uh, uh, maidens uh, comes across Moses and has compassion on him and takes Moses back to Pharaoh's daughter and says, what should we do? This is one of the Hebrew children. And, and they have compassion on Moses. And, and I love this. The sister steps in and goes, hey, would you guys like for me to help? Would you like for me to go try to find maybe a Hebrew mother that might be able to help nurse this baby? And they say, sure, please go. And she goes and finds 
Jochebed, Moses' birth mother. And, and, and Jochebed is able then to raise Moses under the guise, obviously, of, of Pharaoh's daughter and, and under the rule a little bit there of Pharaoh's daughter. But nevertheless, she was able to raise that son. And we know the rest of the story. Moses wasn't perfect. Moses killed an Egyptian later on. But God tested Moses and God tried Moses and God put him through that 40-year wilderness. But God showed up in a real way in Moses' life in that burning bush. A miracle. And miraculously, God moved in Moses' life. And Moses led those. He wasn't perfect. But he led the, He was imperfect. That was the title of our series, Imperfect. He was an imperfect savior, but he led the children of Israel. He led them out. He led them across the Red Sea. He led them to the gate of the promised land. This morning, he had a faithful mother. He had a faithful mother. Can we see this first of all? Faith under evil circumstances. Faith this morning under evil circumstances. The circumstances in the lives of Amram and Jochebed, but think of a mother specifically, Jochebed. Think of, think of finding out that you're expecting. Think of uh, the, the joy that comes with that, but the 50-50 chance that, that whoever uh, uh, that is birthed is going to be a boy or a girl. And to, and to think of that, to think of the, the ramifications of having a boy compared to having a girl. And, and remember during this time of of, of mass genocide. Of, can you imagine taking the life of newborn sons on a consistent basis? And Man, their circumstances, I'm not even going to say less than ideal. Their circumstances were hell. Their circumstances were terrible. And by the way, God does not promise us advantageous circumstances. God does not promise us, even if we are followers of Jesus this morning, even if, we have, uh, even if we have the Holy Spirit as our guide, even if we are fully giving our lives over to him this morning, God never promise us, promises us advantageous circumstances. In fact, God tells us all throughout Scripture that you're going to have some mountain days and you're going to have some valley days. In fact, it takes a valley to create a mountain and vice versa. And so God never promises us a life of ease this morning. God never promises us a life of perfect health. God never promises us a long life. God never promises us those things. And, and so Jochebed, as a mother, uh, was faced with these, with these terrible circumstances, these circumstances that no mother would wish upon anyone. But she embraced this, this statement, the, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Hey, things are not good. Things are not well. There are very difficult circumstances we were having uh, this boy in, but she embraced it and said, here's an opportunity for me to step out in faith. She was creative. She built that little, think about it. There were probably many other ideas, but man, what an incredible idea to build a little floating device that your son, and she probably knew that, hey, uh, Egyptian ladies go out in this river and bathe, and so maybe the right lady will come by and see my son and have compassion. The creativity there even with her faith. But she had that faith. And by the way, in great context here, Moses was born during a season of spiritual barrenness for the children of Israel. In fact, there's kind of this, this awkward uh, time between Joseph and Moses where you don't hear much in the, in the Old Testament story. Moses was born uh, during a season of spiritual barrenness and God tends to do great works during those seasons. If you think about Israel, the state of Jesus coming, Jesus coming to earth, it was 400 years of silence at the end of the book of, uh, of Nehemiah and the end of the book of Malachi. 
400 years of silence and Jesus shows up, right? There had been all these, uh, the, basically the, the, the state of the church at the time leading up to the Reformation, uh, heresy, immorality, uh, just dark, spiritual darkness. And God used a man like Martin Luther to expose the lies and, and put those 95 theses on the, on the door of the church. God tends to brighten the light the darker the night. And, and Moses was that person, uh, but, but Jochebed had the faith under these evil circumstances. The Israelites experiencing slavery. They're experiencing a, a spiritual barrenness. They are, they are under an automatic abortion uh, uh, ruling for, for every boy. They were not being faithful to God during this time, yet God, through the faith of a mother, sent an earthly mediator, an earthly leader the faith of a mother i love this we know the story jacobed that is awesome you made the right decision i'm so glad you did because moses was your son and look at all that god used moses to do well guess what jacobed didn't know that jacobed didn't know what god had planned for her son she didn't know all she knew was she was going to do what she felt was right she was going to do what she knew was right and they were going to be faithful to their god and they were going to be faithful to their faith and this morning, give us mothers who say, yeah, listen, I don't know what the end result's going to be. This might turn out good. This might turn out bad. But I'm going to be faithful to God. And I'm, gonna be fa- I'm just going to be a faithful mother. I'm going to be a faithful lady. I'm going to make decisions based upon my faith. So we see that this faithful mother had faith under evil circumstances. But I want us to note, secondly, she had boldness to let go. She had boldness this morning to let go. Verse 2, so the woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed him with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. The day of reckoning had come. Child was growing, probably becoming loud, as boys are. We can no longer hide him. As we spoke about last week in our Mark series, Jochebed, and I don't, by the way, I don't know if she was like Jockey for short, but uh, Jochebed had a decision to make. Am I going to step out in fear or am I going to step out in faith? If I step out in fear, there's a good chance my son will die. If I step out in faith, there's also a good chance my son will die. So the choice between faith and fear, it wouldn't be faith if you knew the end result this morning. And so she steps out in faith. She boldly constructed that ark. She, she, she made sure that ark was sufficient to, to carry that, that boy. She made sure that it, would, that it would not take in water and drown that boy. She constructed it properly, but then she boldly laid it in the water. In faith, she let go. In faith, she let go. And I'm not here to preach at Mother's today. But in faith, she handed over control. In faith, 
she released. I love the song that we sang here. I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. My hands aren't on the situation. My hands are lifted high. She released. She let go. She let God. And moms, this morning, I don't don't know if this is where you are in your life, but I know as a parent, even as a father, I think of myself holding on so tightly to certain things. I think of myself holding on so tightly to my, my two daughters in certain ways. And God speaks to me every time I think of these types of passages of like, hey, if you'll just let go, I've got it. I've got it. You might not know how I'm going to get it, but I've got it. I've had it before you ever existed, Josh. I've got it. Let go. Let go. Part of being a godly and biblical mother includes letting go and letting God. I know how moms are because I got one. I know how mothers are. Man, mothers, they, in a good way, they worry. Sometimes in a bad way. But in a good way, they worry. They're always thinking about you. They're always thinking about their daughter or their son or even their nieces and nephews. And they're always concerned and they're always looking three steps ahead and trying to worry about what could happen. And listen, those are all motherly instincts. I love Bethany mentioned that, you know. The mother kicked in like real quick of like, okay, what do we need to do? Like, tell me right now. I get that. But sometimes the, the, the most motherly thing you can do is, God, he's yours. God, Moses, this baby boy, okay, he's yours. He's yours. And, and some, some mothers in this room have probably been praying for their adult children or praying for their grandchildren this morning and, and praying for God to change their life and, life and, and for, to, for God to bring them back to him or, or whatever it may be this morning. And may I say just... Let go, pray in faith, and let God. Let go this morning, pray in faith, and let God. And let God. So we've seen the faithfulness of Jochebed, the mother of Moses this morning. She had faith under evil circumstances. She had boldness to let go. And I love this this morning, and we're done. Her faithfulness was rewarded. Her faithfulness was rewarded. Look at what the Bible says. We'll read it. In verse 5, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. By the way, that's that was no accident. That was God and his sovereignty. And her maidens walked along the riverside. That was also no accident. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him. Not a coincidence. And so this is one of the Hebrews' children. This is when that, I believe, that natural mother instinct kicks in. She knew the fate of that son. She knew what was supposed to happen to that little child. I believe the motherly instinct kicks in immediately. And then the sister... Moses' older sister Miriam shows up and says to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if Pharaoh's daughter kind of figured it out. Like, oh, all of a sudden this older sister, this, this, this older teenager is kind of here and maybe there's a connection. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. 
But Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew. And she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. This morning, may I say this, God did not just take care of Jochebed. And God did not just take care of Moses. He went above and beyond. Jochebed would have been completely happy with with Pharaoh's daughter, or honestly with anyone finding Moses and having compassion and trying to keep that child alive. But it just so happened to be the daughter of the king. God's showing off. It just so happened that the daughter of the king had compassion. God showing off. It just so happened that the sister of the boy showed up. God showing off. It just so happened that that sister went back and got permission to find any Hebrew woman. God showing off. That Hebrew woman, Jochebed, the mother. Here's what I love. Pharaoh's daughter says, hey, listen, I want you to go and I want you to nurse this baby. And what does then she say? And I will pay you your wages. I want you to raise this boy and I'm going to give you money to do it. Folks, this is God showing off. This is God saying, I'm not just going to meet your need. I'm going to give you exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. This is God saying, Jochebed, I see your faith and I raise you one. This is God saying, Jochebed, I I have seen your faith from the time this boy was born. I know what you've done. I know the sacrifice you made. I know your commitment to me. And when you lay him out in that water, let me tell you something. I'm going to respond in a way that you've never seen before. Oh, yes, you're going to be able to raise your son. Yes, you will. And your son's going to be safe and protected and grow up in the house of the king. Your son is going to be able to... Once again, she didn't know this now. Your son is going to know the Egyptian culture because he's raised in the house of the king. He's going to know the Jewish culture because for the first four to five years of that boy's life, his own Jewish mother is going to raise him. He's going to be uniquely qualified to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. I'm just going to show off a little bit, God says. And by the way, I'm going to pay you to do it. I'm going to pay you to do it. Can I please pay you To raise your son. What an incredible God. Listen, Jochebed would have been fully satisfied in God. Had God simply spared the life of Moses. But God decided to just do a little bit more. God decided just to do a little bit exceedingly, abundantly more. It's an incredible story. It's actually one of the greatest stories in the Bible, in my opinion of God's love, care, and provision for his people. That God would not just meet the need, that God would exceed the need. And if there's been a a theme in scripture that for the last two to three months in my study in the book of Mark, preparing sermons, if there's been a theme in scripture that has been uh, illuminated to me more and more, it is this truth that God responds to faith. God responds to faith. Two different times already in the first four to five chapters of the book of Mark, we've talked about mustard seeds. 
I threw a, a few down here a couple weeks ago. Just faith, just a little bit of faith. God acts when we believe in faith. It's just a theme of scripture. It's not that we're in control of God. I'm not here to have that debate this morning. God does as he pleases. I get it. That is exactly right. But I believe scripture teaches us over and over again in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all throughout scripture, that when we will display our faith, that God will respond in miraculous ways. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know of a group of people who better personify faith than a godly mother. I'll be honest with you. If you have a godly mother this morning, or you had a godly mother, even if she's with the Lord, you you have a treasure. If you have a mother that cares enough about you to pray for you, you have a treasure. Moms, Pray for your kids. Legitimately, pray for your kids. I'm, I'm fighting this myself. I Let me just say this. Let your kids catch you praying for them. I do a lot of my Bible study here in my office. I've been convicted recently, and I'm not trying to just do things for a show. I've been convicted recently that I I need my daughters to come in the room while I'm in the word or while I'm in prayer. I need that for them. Let your daughters, let your sons catch you in prayer. Pray. We need mothers full of faith. We need mothers full of faith. We need Jacobeds who plan and prepare and understand the risk of what they're doing and get ready and just display faith. Just push that little ark out. Mothers who never give up. Mothers who keep praying. Mothers who keep believing in that boy. They keep believing in that girl. Mothers that keep supporting. Mothers whose door is always open. Mothers who love, mothers who care, mothers who have faith. Faithful mothers. Moms, we love you today. We love you so much, we have a little buntlet cake for you from Nothing But Cakes. They're so good. I had to pick them up yesterday, and it was all I could do to not have one less out there. We love you. Can I say this this morning if you're here today? Whether your mother's still with us or not, you can honor your mother no better than by adopting her faith. You could honor your mother no better than having the faith of a faithful mother. You may be here today and you may, your kids may be here or your adult children may be here and you may be saying, but I'm not perfect. That's okay. Moms, you don't need to be perfect. God didn't call you to be perfect. But he did call you to have faith. And you, you this morning could honor your mother no better than to have her faith. If you've never 
called upon the name of the Lord, if you've never recognized your condition as a sinner, ask your mother. She'll tell you if she's honest. We didn't talk about mothers being honest today because we know a lot of them aren't about their kids. But hey, if you ask your mom to be honest, she'll tell you you're a sinner. All right? She's known it. She knew it probably before you actually were born. She felt it. Listen, we're all born in depravity. We're all sinners. But our faith tells us this, that we don't have to stay that way. We don't have to stay in our sin. Our faith tells us, Scripture tells us, that there's a penalty for sin, and it's death, but somebody paid that penalty. God. He demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, you don't have to pay for your sin. Even though there's a penalty, there is a there is your your name is on the milk carton. Wanted. Paying for your sin. You don't have to. Jesus paid for your sin for you. He died on the cross for you. He didn't just die. He didn't, he wasn't buried, just buried. No, he he also rose again and he did that. Had he not risen again, he'd just be like any other person who's died. But he rose again. We celebrated it on Easter Sunday. We really celebrated every every Sunday, resurrection day. He rose in triumph over the grave, over sin. He wants a real relationship with you. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He's not calling you to perfection. He's calling you into a a relationship as an imperfect person with a perfect God. He's calling you into this beautiful marriage of unworthiness and the most worthy. He's calling you to that relationship. He wants to give you an eternal home in heaven. He wants to be your savior this morning. What does it require? Well, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith. You know what faith says? Well, Josh, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. But I'll believe it. Here's the way it was in scripture. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I have a couple of questions about this. And I don't know how it's going to end up. But I'll take a step. That's what it looks like today. If you're here today and you've never taken that step. I want to invite you to simply surrender. And take the step. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.